1: And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the hide to my Jekyll, it's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. I'd like to say this is an extra spooky edition of the Second Tier, but there isn't really much spookiness to be had. I I don't know how to make the podcast any spookier other than producer Finn putting a ghost sound effect in right here. (whistles) Justin, how do we feel... About Halloween, and I think a couple of managers who we'll get on to very shortly are finding it particularly spooky this year.
0: Halloween's great, I think. I do enjoy it.
1: I don't like the fireworks that come after Halloween, but that's, that's more of a bonfire night situation. I enjoy watching horror films around this time of year. I went to, went to the cinema to watch Five Nights at Freddy's the other day. Was it good? You enjoy it? Nah, shy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> horror films are, you know, they're the best bit of Halloween for me.
0: Are they? I, d- yeah. I don't get on with horror films at all, mainly because they're all poorly produced and directed and written. They're just not very good ho- films at all.
1: You watched Midsummer.
0: Uh, Midsummer murders, yeah.
1: No, Midsummer is an unbelievable film. But probably the best horror mm. film I've ever seen. Spectacular, really good. I read. Think. I read the synopsis on Wikipedia. I wasn't interested. No, trust me. Really, really good. Um, so it's a spooky time of year and it's a particularly terrifying time of year for a couple of managers in the championship welcome to the number one championship podcast the second tier thank you for joining us wherever you are yes Gareth Ainsworth has lost his job at Queen's Park Rangers some may say it's about time but we'll get on to that very shortly and literally just before we started recording just impeaching for me Nigel Pearson has left bristol city so that has really destroyed our running order so we've had to quickly make sense of all that um but we'll get we'll get onto that very shortly as well as well as all the other games from the championship over the past weekend plenty plenty for us to talk about not just in terms of managerial departures we'll do the polls as well and then we'll finish off with simon grayson take for late right at the end of the show so qpr have sacked Gareth Ainsworth it comes after losing 2-1 to Leicester their sixth loss in a row and they sit second from bottom of the championship ironically this was possibly QPR's best performance of the season so far but this decision was well overdue wasn't it yeah long overdue
0: it's clear it wasn't going to work towards the end of last season to be honest with you. but keeping QPR in division probably clouded the judgment of the owners a little bit and you you then start to switch focus naturally to pre-season and potential improvements but the squad needed a lot more substance adding to it. Gareth Ainsworth I mean he he was linked heavily or they had bids for Josh Knight at Wickham rejected and you could just tell the frustration there of him not being able to add the type of player that he needed to really get his style of play going in the right direction. Yes he had some experience but still it just wasn't enough for the type of manager that he is. And sadly, as I say, that those big changes, they never really came and Ainsworth resorted to the same style of play. Deep, poorly organised, I would say, football and, and to be honest, we you, it caught up with him really, really quickly this season, mainly because I think the division's improved a lot on a technical level, but it just wasn't the right appointment at the, this time for QPR. Maybe if it was a proper rebuild where the, the team had a budget... And Gareth Ainsworth had time; then he might have been the right man, but we'll never know because those circumstances haven't haven't uh, settled in front of him.
1: I'm not sure Gareth Ainsworth was ever the right <laughs> man, Justin. Um, look, I, I think he should have gone in the summer. To be honest, Gareth Ainsworth kept QPR up last season, but one of the main reasons why they were in danger in the first place was because of Gareth Ainsworth, and he's been there for eight months, and there haven't been any signs that he can take QPR in the right direction the football is appallingly bad the game plan is hoof it up to Lyndon Dykes or we'll knock it over the top to Sinclair Armstrong and I just think he was out of his depth in the championship and this decision could not have come soon enough
0: yeah well you're quite right and I think the key thing here is yes we can we can point the finger at Ainsworth but it just wasn't the right appointment there's a little part of me when he got appointed thinking you know Wickham style of play it can be a success but I think the squad was just too different and not in the right fitting of what Ainsworth wants to deploy at all. If you look at the last few managers or last several managers that QPR have employed, Jimmy Floyd-Hasselbank, in Holloway, Steve McCarrow, Mark Warburton, Mick Beal, they're not exactly lump-it-forward kind of managers. Some of them do like to play faster-rate football, but it's mainly possession-based football, developing youngsters for the first team and 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 being a bit more organic in that sense. Whereas Gareth Ainsworth. Just get the ball in that final third. Doesn't matter about possession. Defend deep if you need to, or probably always. Um And it just it just didn't work out. It just didn't work out. It wasn't the right appointment at all. And I think you more so, you have to point the finger upstairs uh, as much as you do with Gareth Ainsworth because it wasn't the right appointment. And unfortunately, Gareth Ainsworth wasn't able to tap into the ability of this squad that we've said time and time again.
1: Yeah. And... I respect his positivity. He seems like a good (laughs) bloke, although Sheffield United fans will constantly disagree (laughs) with us on that for other reasons, which you can find out for yourselves. However, at times, his positivity did come across as pure delusion, saying things like, this is going to be a good season, we're going to finish above the dotted line after three losses in a row. Gareth, were top of the championship a year ago, and now you're talking about just staying up by the skin of their teeth and that being a good season. And... he kept coming out with these positive lines and it was like him beaming into your heads. This was a really positive six losses in a row. And let's be honest, he he is mad. Not like pet mad. He's just purely mad. And I mean, he literally got a bloke in to do the hacker. That's how mad yeah. he is. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. He's been great content for the podcast. So I'm going to miss that. <laughs> I'm also going to miss his luscious locks and his fashion. I'm not going to miss the dire football the results or the ridiculous comments after games. And as far as QPR go, they should have made this decision a lot earlier than they have done. Well, the Telegraph is reporting that a familiar face is set to replace Gareth Ainsworth at the Matrade Loftus Road Stadium, as it's now known. And it's not the Hackerman, unfortunately. It's the most predictable appointment of the season, Sir Neil Warnock. And I called this last month, Justin, after he left he Huddersfield... I can see them hanging on to Ainsworth for a bit too long and then they're a bit desperate and they think, oh God, who's available? We're in the relegation zone. We've got a few months left of the season. Oh, Neil, we'll just call him up. Hey, Neil, are you all right? And then it just goes from there.
0: I don't think Gareth Ainsworth is leaving this season. I think he's going to stay the course of the campaign. I think you just dislike Ainsworth far too much.
1: What? It was a heavy weekend for you, really, (laughs) Bonte.
0: To be fair, I was in Italy. I was distracted by pasta and wine. One too
1: many (laughs) Muratis,
0: exactly. Um, But it is—it's an appointment. It's as obvious as you get, isn't it? I love Warnock, and it's not out of the question when a new job comes up that he gets linked with it and, and, and appointed. But I do feel that if he is appointed at your club at this stage in his career, I think it's a failure of the decision making at the very top isn't it and that's not a, we i love neil warnock it's not a disrespect to him it's short-term thinking it's a please put out this fire please neil please and that's all it is and it's the, the problem with qpr is they, they're now in his mindset of short-termism gareth ainsworth uh, neil critchley i know those appointments didn't work out and they obviously they were there for the long term but they are short-term appointments and Neil Warnock's going to be a short-term appointment because he's only going to be here until the end of the season um and yes, I, I do think he can steer QPR outside of the the bottom three. But you've got to say if he if he's in charge of your football club or he has been in charge of your football club in the last three years, you've made uh, you made some cr- a critical errors uh,
1: at a board level. Yeah, I completely agree, Justin. I find it a bit annoying that poorly run clubs who make bad decision after bad decision can just press the no walnut button, the, the walnut card, and it solves all their problems. You say the walnut card; it's essentially a get out of jail free card, yeah. isn't it? And look Huddersfield deserved to go down last season because they were awful until Warnock showed up and the QPR hierarchy have made bad decision after bad decision I I just don't get a sense that justice has been done with these clubs
0: it's quite harsh to say isn't it that like justice is relegation for bad running but then you just pull out the Warnock card there's only one Neil Warnock by the way you can't as soon as this Warnock card's pulled by a club that's it you're gone every other team in the division cannot pull that card mm. unless you contempt him with some romantic decision or reason to leave whoever he's just taken taking charge of but you are right there is this lack of justice um, in appointing him but he does give you a second chance he gives your team a second chance and QPR need a second chance because Uh, He's going to be sweeping up from some serious areas at boardroom level.
1: Yeah, well, he definitely is. And if they get Warlock in, then their chances of staying up flip quite dramatically because Mm -hmm. that is what he does. He comes in, keeps a club up and rides away into the night on his horse. I I mean, it's not the most forward-thinking appointments, but the QPR hierarchy will just want to stay up, won't they? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, this squad is a lot better than its position in the table and is certainly the best out of the current bottom four, I would say. So it'll be surprising if Warnock doesn't get a tune out of this team. Whether he keeps them up is another question. Uh, I suppose, do you think they perhaps should have gone for someone a bit more long-term than Warnock?
0: I think QPR in such a dire state. I would like to see a long-term appointment in. I think there's some really good managers available at the moment. And if they can go around, go down the route of of, of, of uh, employing... Yeah, you know, Sheffield Wednesday have made an ambitious appointment in Danny Rule. Going down that route would be great, but in, in, in you know, a bit of realism here for QPR, you need someone to come out and put a fire, guide your club in the right direction. Uh, this is a really important time for QPR to come in and get Neil Warnock in, essentially. Um, ease the club into a, in, into a new down a new path, because as I say, a boardroom, mistakes have been made, gives them time to get things sorted, get a director of football in or a technical, technical director, whatever it is, to come in and steer the club into a new direction, because they desperately need it, and Neil Warnock gives you that time.
1: A quick word on Leicester, who beat QPR this weekend and sealed Gareth Ainsworth's fate. 13 wins from 14. They're one win away from matching the championship record for most consecutive wins, which is 10. And they were made to work for this victory. It eventually came from a wonder goal by Harry Winks. What a beauty that was. And what a player. What a player, yeah. I mean, his winner will quite quite rightly take the plaudits but because it was fantastic.
0: But I think people should divert their attention to his quality of play. And importance in that midfield he averages 85% pass completion and with a 92% accuracy of passes in opposition half he doesn't give the ball away which suggests two things his choice and quality of pass are important and he's vital to ensuring possession is ticking over for Leicester in the right areas at the right time it's important to have that type of midfielder in that position where they don't panic in possession they play with a calmness um, uh, because as a teammate, as a supporter, you need that. You know he's going to find a teammate. I think he's really matured into this role at Leicester under Maresca, and it's and it's really good to see.
1: Well, only three players in the Championship this season have completed over 1,000 passes, and he's completed 1,200. So <laughs> cool. uh, that just goes to show what he's all about. And against QPR, he completed 127 passes, which is nearly as many as the whole QPR team managed, <laughs> uh, which is just... I mean, it's insane, isn't it? His passing numbers are insane and he is so crucial to this Enzo Moresca system. I did have questions about the amount of money they spent on him and I still think they overspent a bit, but it doesn't matter if they get promoted because he's been key to this record-breaking start that they're seeing. Let's go to the other managerial departure of the weekend. Nigel Pearson has left Bristol City. It comes after they suffered defeat in the seven-side derby. Cardiff beat them 2-0. it's literally just happened, Justin, as we were alluding to at the start of the show. We have started recording just as this announcement was made. But uh, what do you think?
0: Well, Piers has been dropping hints, hasn't he? That he's going to be on his way out. He's very um, very cryptic in his, com- uh, his comments after the game in midweek. And he was very cryptic again, dropping hints um, that, he's, that he's going to be leaving very soon in his post-match comments again, after the Cardiff game. I think if I was to look at it critically... All I can say about Bristol City this season is they work very hard. I've not seen anything of Bristol City that suggests they're heading in the right direction this season under Nigel Pearson other than being a hard-working outfit. And that's not really where you want to be after spending a decent uh, amount of money. And clearly the board aren't trusting him or the ownership aren't trusting him with spending some of the Alex Scott money either, which I think is quite telling. Obviously, there was a lot of complaints from Pearson in the summer about that or frustrations, I should say. Um, so I'm not really surprised that Pearson's gone. Maybe a surprise he's gone this early. I think he, he was definitely going to go at some point this season. Obviously, not having a new contract is a, is a big tell when you're going into last year's uh, last year deal as a manager. Um, you know, there's no talks happening. He's, he's alluded to it himself. So yeah, I'm not really surprised. Maybe maybe would have expected him to leave a little bit later in the season. But again, I think Bristol City are in a good position to go out there and get a younger manager who's going to really tap into the potential of this team. Not saying Piersler wouldn't, but I think this is the, the next step for Bristol City.
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised he's gone either. It did seem like he was quite frustrated, particularly recently with his whole contract situation. As you say, his deal's up at the end of the season. So if Bristol City don't see him as the man to take him on beyond that, then what's the point in hanging around? And he also yeah. seems quite frustrated with, as you say, not being able to spend much money in the summer either. So... I mean, it makes sense. I, we've obviously been quite critical about Nigel Pearson and Bristol City over the past few months or what have you. Um, mainly because it's not the most, you know, forward-thinking manager to have in place. But let's give full credit to the guy. In the time that he's been there, he has really steadied the ship. He has taken Bristol City, a club which has spent a hell of a lot of money in recent years. Uh, well, prior to he before he came in anyway. And has got them you know, progressing slowly, but surely up the table. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really positive. He's got some players, young lads who he's really developed into first-team players and some of the most promising talents in the division. Of course, Alex Scott was one of them before he got sold. So he has done a really good job in that time. I'm not going to take that away from him. Um, He he has. And the only thing I, I would say is that if Bristol City want to progress and start getting further up the table, I just think someone else needed to come in. And it looks like that's going to happen now. So that leads me nicely onto, Justin, who do you think they should get in?
0: (laughs) Again, it comes down to the squad that they've got. They've got a young squad. And I think having a manager who's worked not extensively with youngsters, but you look at Maresca, for example. He's got a lot of experience of working with with young players and how how young players are coming through at Leicester even this season. I think that's a you know, a decent a decent avenue to go down for Bristol City. It's quite hard to pinpoint exactly who. Um, I mean, Sheffield Wednesday I've mentioned it already in this episode, but there's a quite a left field appointment in Danny Royal quite a young manager who's got some big ideas, and I think if you can if you can uh, go down that avenue because Nigel Pearce has been a very safe pair of hands football's been very safe he's yeah. a very safe appointment he's a very solid appointment um, but it's it's, it's not going to take that next step I mean one promotion in the last 10 years I know he spent a bit of time in the Premier League and abroad but that's ultimately his record he's, he's had one promotion from from the Championship in 10 years and that was a, that Leicester side um, so again if you can get a manager who has that ambition to take Bristol City into that next, next phase then that would be a really good appointment. Um, you, if you're looking at young managers, Ian Everett is is, a, is one that impresses me in, in League One. I think that's a good style of play that you can tap into. That's just an example of where Bristol City might want to go down. But as I say, young squad, uh, energetic squad, potentially a, a decent budget in January that Alex got money. Yeah, there's this. I think good times are ahead for Bristol City.
1: Yeah, I think that too. And this is what I've been saying to Bristol City fans all all this time with Nigel Pearson is that if you get another manager in, it could be quite exciting. Because let's face it, as good a job Nigel Pearson did at Bristol City, they were never going to challenge for the top six while Mm. he was there, unfortunately. A new manager, a new exciting young manager can change everything. So... This is an exciting opportunity for Bristol City to, you know, have a gamble on getting someone in because the foundations have been set brilliantly by Pearson. Get a young manager in or just, you know, a forward thinking appointment, and Bristol City could do something quite impressive this season. Of course, it's there are squads that are stronger than theirs, but if you've got a talented manager coming in, then anything's possible.
0: Well, I think if you look at Luton Town uh, and Nathan Jones, Nathan Jones was a bit more on the uh, pragmatic side of things when it comes to his tactics and his style of play, whereas Rob Edwards wanted to tap into the attacking quality at Luton team. And I think that's really where, that's the same crossroads Bristol City are at. There's a lot of defensive qualities in that Bristol City team um, and a lot of, sort of defensive-minded qualities, but there's also a lot of good attacking technical quality in there as well. So I think if a manager can come in and tap into that, like Rob Edwards did at Luton Town last season, I think this team can crack on, and I I do stand by it. I think the squad's capable of pushing for the top six. Maybe needs one or two additions to it, but I do think it's in a really good position to 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 really get going. Because again, it's a competitive division this season. I think there's a lot of I wouldn't say average teams, but I think there's going to be a lot of competition between sort of seventh place and fourteenth place for that top six that top six berth. And I think there'll be a lot of teams in the in the conversation come February. And I think Bristol City they want to be in that conversation. Probably do need to make a decision now, and they have done.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of very talented coaches out there. So, Bristol City have a chance now to get one of them in and, you know, try and be a bit more exciting of a side because right now they're just very mid table, aren't they? At Johnny's three word review for Cardiff, Ruben Colwell, baby, of course, Cardiff beating Bristol City in the seven side derby. And Ruben Colwell was amongst the goals, someone whose career had very much stalled over the past year, but a brilliant individual goal by him. And fingers crossed that gets things back on track in his career. Cardiff up to fifth with this result. Back-to-back wins for them and it's undeniably been a great start to the season for them, has it? it? has, it has. I think um, you, what you've got to recognise is that
0: this is one of their best, or their best run of form um, since an eight-game and beating streak into, in the 2019-2020 season, which shows you how rough it has been over the last few seasons. It also shows you how how um, how quickly Bullet has adapted to the Championship, quicker than I anticipated. And also how he's how he's tapped into the quality of this team. And I still think they um they're probably not as creating as much chances as, as, as other teams, but they're taking their chances. I mentioned a stat the other week about them almost equaling their um their goal record from, from last season. We're only a quarter of the way through. They're gonna blitz that massively. And I think, you know, a manager a new manager coming in, giving the team confidence that they've got the quality to go out and do what they're doing now, and that's taking their chances. I think, yeah, you've you've got to praise Cardiff City. Top six challenge might well be on, as I say, a lot of not average teams but competitive teams in, in that mid table mid table berth and i think cardiff again could be in that conversation should they should they keep the consistency going that's a big ask but if you've got to play that like ruben will maybe maybe
1: maybe uh, i have been very impressed with how Ewa Bullet has got multiple players raising their games. I mean, Perry NG is the main one who's been Mm. superb this season at right back. But you've got both Mark McGuinness and Jamilou Collins at the back, who also are in that category, Joe Rawls as well. And the two Greek lads lads they brought in, Siopis and uh, Gautas, have been very clever additions. And Gautas in particular has been excellent. So it's all going very well. Three losses from three games for Wayne Rooney and Birmingham after Southampton beat them at 3-1. there are a chance of you getting sacked in the morning from (laughs) Southampton fans towards Rooney. Uh, I think this was better from Birmingham, Justin. They showed more fight, but I'm not sure if that's just a low bar already because it was ultimately still quite comfortable for Southampton, wasn't it?
0: I think that's the most damning thing is it's been a very comfortable Three games for Birmingham City's opposition since Wayne Rooney's taken charge, and that's more so his his blueprint for what he wants to play. He's mentioned that the players aren't comfortable playing it, um, and that's a that's a that's an important point that you've got to sort of take on board as a manager. Is that if your players aren't comfortable with your side of play just yet, then don't play your side of play just yet. Just ease them into it, mm-hmm. rather than persisting with what you're doing. And you are right; they were a lot more um, structured, disciplined in this game, but still Southampton did find it fairly easy to. Um, to score their goals. I mean, the defending was quite passive again at moments. And um, that's a big thing that Wayne Rooney needs to sort out. And again, I don't think Birmingham would have conceded the goals they've conceded under Wayne Rooney, under John Eustace.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a completely fair point. It's a shame because the previous manager, I'd have fancied Birmingham to get something from this. What we got in the end was another game where they were quite clearly second best. In fairness, the first goal was offside and Birmingham had a clear penalty turned down. However, on the balance of play only one team deserved to win this yeah. and it wasn't the team in blue they've now gone from inside the playoffs to bottom half of the table in the space of a week their next two games are Ipswich and Sunderland so it doesn't get any easier I'm afraid Wazza the question is when do we press the panic button just is your hand kind of hovering <laughs> over it or is it still very much in your pockets
0: I'm quite a chill guy, so I'm not I'm not anywhere near the panic button. It's still under the one of those plastic covers, you know, like a fire alarm. You don't want to yeah, you know, just stop yeah. people bumping into it and pressing it by by accident. No one wants to get sacked by accident. So I, I, the cover's still on it, and I'm just sat by the desk at the moment, not not doing too much. I'm not I'm not panicking or stressed. I think Wayne Rooney, there's no midweek games for a few for a few weeks, so Wayne Rooney's got a lot more time to dabble with his squad, get his squad. Tra- what, transitioning into a philosophy that is is the right balance between John Euston and, Way- uh, and Wayne Rooney. Um but I think the important thing is to 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 really understand is Wayne Rooney and John Euston is completely different managers. Style of play is different, personality is different, um and that's what that's what the transition that didn't need to happen this early on in the season. Probably March, April would have been a better time to do it, Gary Cook. Um, but I think that's the key thing that needs to be transitioned is yeah he's got time to do it now. So I'm not I'm not panicking. I'm I'm not I'm not worried. But I think after November that's when, I say November, it's in a couple of days. After that uh, next international break, that's when you start to start to really judge Rooney's team.
1: Yeah, well, Ipswich and Sunderland, there's a very realistic opportun- uh, chance that uh, Birmingham could have five losses in five under Wayne Rooney, <laughs> which yeah. is, a, it wouldn't be a good look, would it? Especially after all the outrage after John Eustace's dismissal. So yeah, it, it's. Um, it, it, I'm, I'm definitely not panicking just yet, but the slide down the table may cause a bit of alarm after we've yeah. got past those two games. Uh, Patry with a three-word review for Southampton starting to gel. And it's going rather well for Southampton, isn't it? They're unbeaten in six, picking up 14 points from a possible 18 in that time. Now up to fourth. They're looking more and more dangerous as the mm-hmm. games go by, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Russell Martin needs a lot, uh, should have a lot of praise, sorry, because
0: a lot of the um, flaws in his side of play that were... Present back in August September time, starting to iron them out, which is great. There's a huge shift in character, organisation on the pitch in game management, and that's a that's a big plus for for Southampton if they're going to sustain performances and sustain results and be a lot more consistent. I mean, you saw it in the second half in this game. They yeah, Birmingham wrestled some control in that second half, early on in the second half and Southampton got it back and I don't think they would have done that in mid-September. I think Birmingham would have slowly gained confidence and maybe walked over them. So yeah, credit to Martin for making his tweaks or, or having the conversations to to get that control back into that second half because it could have, been, could have been a bit hairy.
1: Yeah, it could have been a bit hairy. I mean, the amount of ability in this team always meant it was going to be difficult to see it struggling for too long and mm. now they're very much a team to be feared. I mean, Charlie Alcaraz is a very talented player as is Suleimana Stuart Armstrong I think massively falls into the category of players you don't really appreciate in the Premier League but then look very good when they come down to the Championship. Flynn Downs has been brilliant recently and Taylor Harwood-Bellis has strengthened that defence so much and that's why I rate him so highly. Not sure about Gavin Bazunu in goal. I've seen him make too many errors yeah, in these first 14 yeah. games now, including what was a clear penalty against Birmingham. But overall, they're going really well. And I suppose the big question that Southampton fans are wondering, Justin, is, are you starting to be more convinced about Russell Martin as a manager?
0: Well, I've mentioned that he's that he's starting to iron out those flaws in his side of play. So absolutely, absolutely. He, he probably needed to do this last season with Swansea. It just took a while for him to... Um, turn a really poor run of form round, but he's got the quality of play to do it now. And yes, there were huge questions being asked of him from me. I I didn't think he could get out of that slump because it was bad, wasn't it? It was really really bad uh, performances wise and midfield organisation was just dreadful, not not there at all. Um, but credit to him, credit to Southampton, um, and again that, a lot of kudos to Russell Martin for turning it around because as I say you can't just tell your players to be more steely and more disciplined in games you've got to coach it into them you've got to re- reiterate your messages and yeah good managers do that it's a fair play
1: it's like on Football Manager isn't it when you make a substitute and you tell your sub go out there and make a difference it doesn't always work even though <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> even though we try it every single time <laughs> Just let's take a quick break after that we'll talk about the West Yorkshire Derby and also more pressure on David Wagner at Norwich Welcome back to the second tier podcast. Leeds were in top form in the West Yorkshire Derby against Huddersfield. They beat them 4-1. James's three-word review for Leeds, and I love this, Justin. Pissing third place. That's uh, <laughs> that's very much <laughs> how he's looking for Leeds at the moment, isn't it? Um, the thing is, this is another game where Leeds were just frighteningly good. We've had it several times now already this season, haven't we? In fact... I'd say we've seen more top gear performances from Leeds this season than we have from Ipswich or Leicester. It's just about trying to match the consistency of those two, which is obviously ridiculously difficult because they're not showing any signs of faltering. However, when Leeds are on top form, they are wonderful to watch, aren't they?
0: The transitions in this game were frighteningly fast. So fast. I know they've got quick players, but that is forkball at its finest. And you mentioned a really good point there as just want to draw on is that they've been in, they probably had more top gear games than Leicester and Ipswich. But I think that's the difference between obviously finishing in the top two and outside the top two is Leicester have had more games where they've been in second gear and first gear, not been playing particularly well and they still come out of results. And Leeds had that in midweek against Stoke where they didn't play particularly well and lost the game and that's the difference between finishing the top two but credit to them because they turned it around and, and they just went straight, to the, uh, straight for Huddersfield and, and, and did not let go did not let their grasp go and again you've, you're right you, they've got to sustain and be more consistent with these performances but it was such a such a good watch uh, at times and the transitions in that first half were quick Somerville's beat are incredible Come on, they're just absolutely fantastic. He's Such a talent, and um, yeah, you've got to credit uh, credit Leeds for for the uh, for the bounce back. It, it could have been could have been a, a difficult game, a, a derby game.
1: Yeah, the boy Crescencio has got two goals and two assists in this game. Just an outstanding performance from him again. And take your mind back to literally a week ago, Justin. He absolutely tore Norwich apart. Yeah. So for him to be putting in an even better performance a week later is quite something. I mean, that front four of him. Piero, Ruta and James has been sensational so far. And it's meant someone like Italian international Willy Nomto has barely had a look in. Remember when yeah. there was that whole saga with him making it publicly known that he wanted to leave? He's just not been needed. So yeah. they're an excellent side who have, been, who have been playing terrifically well. The only problem is because of the ridiculous standard being set by the top two they can't afford sloppy results like losing to stoke in midweek so that's the only thing they've just got to try and iron out although i'm not sure if the standards being set by the top two are realistic or not a three-word review on huddersfield here from the town social destination league one and always town says rudderless ship sinking it's a bit strange that the last team outside of the bottom three that huddersfield didn't lose to was ipswich of all teams (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the championship, ladies and gentlemen, but after a decent start by Darren Moore, it's one winning seven, now back to back losses. And all of a sudden they're looking like they're in a bit of trouble.
0: Yeah, well, we've said time and time again, haven't we, that this squad just isn't good enough. I don't think uh, Yeah, Darren Moore is always going to have issues and I do rate him as a manager, uh, but unfortunately he's not He's not Neil Warner because he's not going to. He's not going to have this intervention, godlike intervention that that he has. You know, Neil War- uh, Darren Moore, as far as we know, is is just a normal man. Um, and he, as we saw with Warnock, it takes an exceptional manager to get a lot out of this Huddersfield squad. So they were overperforming under under Neil Warnock, and now they're underperforming under uh, Darren Moore, and it's a it's a bad place to be because that squad's not good enough to be underperforming because they are getting. Um, panned fairly often I think they've conceded now now conceded four on four occasions this season which just isn't good enough and obviously two in the last two games conceded four in the first 55 in midweek to Cardiff conceded four in the first half here don't think that's all down to Darren Moore down to quality of the squad and game plan and concentration because they're conceding sloppy goals avoidable goals and that's um they are uncontrollable for a manager
1: yeah and I've seen a lot of anger directed towards Darren Moore which I I think it's just completely unfair he's having to work with it's what based. he's got and it's not a lot is it i still regard this team as probably the worst in the league it's certainly between them and rotherham i mean be honest justin how many of these players would comfortably get into other championship sides i'd say helick Sober thomas lee nichols perhaps a couple of others <sighs> thomas is debatable now isn't he uh, thomas has certainly looked a lot better than he did last season but even then i, I get your point
0: Right, you are right. They say it's a good comparison. Nichols is even making mistakes. I mean, praising Somerville for his quick feet, but one of his goals was a very slow pass into under, under Nichols. I know it was I know he was unsighted, but there's just been a drop in form from some key individuals, which just isn't good enough. I've, i like Matty Pearson a lot, but even his form this season hasn't been great, even under Neil Warnock. So yeah, there's there's a there's a, a bad drop in quality. Um and obviously when you take out a Neil Warnock, who is this X factor in your team It's not ideal.
1: No, it's definitely not. And by and large, this squad is well below championship standards, isn't it? I mean, you've got young Kieran Harrow up front as the lone striker and he was on loan in League Two last season. So this is what Darren Moore is working with. It's not great. So I feel like a bit of perspective needs to be had here. Still very early days in his tenure. So I'd still say it's too early to properly judge him. I mean, he was always going to struggle when, you know, even Neil Warnock was struggling somewhat with this squad. So it's no surprise that Dan Moore's just running into similar problems, isn't he? The pressure mm-hmm. continues to pile on David Wagner and Norwich after they lost again. This time, a 3-1 defeat away at Sunderland. Three-word review from the Canaries down under. It's getting worse. And Curtis says, nosediving to relegation. Michael says, club in freefall. Seven losses In 10 games, the Norwich City editor for the Eastern Daily Press, Paddy Davitt, wrote after this result. The game is up. The head coach has run out of ideas and inspiration. And it seems like from what I'm seeing, Justin, the fans seem to think similarly.
0: You know, it's bad when your local press is putting that out. Um, I've seen a lot of the comments. It's turning quite ugly. A lot of fan frustration online. Um, and unfortunately I, I understand it um, a lot of the flaws that this Wagner side is showing I mean we pointed out back in March April and in the off season game management has been really poor they get opened up no matter whether they press or drop off and they've won one in nine now and it's just uh, it's just not good enough for the experience they've got for the quality they've got Gabriel Sarr is one of the best creative or the best creative midfielder in the division Johnny Rose has been in great form and unfortunately no one else is, is pulling forwards with that team and You've got to put that down to the manager, how he organises his team and how he puts together his game plan and tactics because unfortunately nothing, literally nothing is working.
1: Yeah, and it's the drop-off for me which is the most frightening thing. Going from arguably the best team in the league in the first few games to 17th now is incredibly alarming. The game management just isn't there. Defensively, they have been a car crash for weeks now. They've now had the joint most goals conceded and... I think they've got to make a a decision sooner rather than later to save their season.
0: Who's going to make that decision? Because I've seen reports that Seba is on his way out.
1: Um, Well, apparently he's not. There's contrasting reports about this now, Justin, which (laughs) just adds to the whole murky waters behind the scene, doesn't it? So you've got a sporting director who is apparently soon on his way out but actually no it's going to be later in the year now and then you've got this new sporting director who's not meant to start again until next month so who's going to be making a decision here on the manager or his successor
0: but you made this point in midweek didn't you that shoot ever's going to be if he's if he's if he's going to see out his notice period it's, it's March isn't it that is his long notice period That's when he comes out and in. do you want your next manager being dictated by someone who's going to be leaving the club in in either the next 2 weeks or next 3 months no you want it to be done by the the new guy coming in who just isn't at the in in at the club yet it's a it's a terrifying situation to be in because Norwich dropping like a stone managers not getting a tune out of the squad you've got injuries to key players you need to make a big decision here and it's you just can't because who's running the football club? Nobody. Literally nobody.
1: That's it. And that's why Norwich are a bit of a mess behind the scenes right now. And this all goes back to our concerns pre-season. I've had a very nice time reading some of the uh, nice messages <laughs> from Norwich fans when we predicted them to uh, have quite a poor season. I had them as my big underachievers and now it's starting to look like that. All these things are just culminating into what is turning out to be a bit of a mess and only... 14 games into the season. Yeah. It's not good. Now, if anyone wants a good Halloween costume in the Norwich area, dress up as Jack Clark because they'll be having nightmares about him for months after his performance. He was unplayable here, Justin Peach. I saw his numbers, they were ridiculous. Really? He
0: he enjoyed his, was It was I, I can't remember that home or not, it was at Sunday, wasn't it? But he enjoyed himself, he really did. I mean, he's quality and we've mentioned him several times already this season. He's got the ability to just turn games on, turn games off whenever he wants. And he's having a season of his life, which again, contrasts it to two or three years ago where just had no idea whether well, he was going to pick up form. And where he is now, he's the division's best attacking player, um, all-round attacking player, and he's scoring goals as well. He enjoyed himself. He really did. Sunderland did as well. (laughs) It's incredible.
1: Yeah, probably one of the best individual performances you'll see all season. I'm glad he actually (laughs) scored because... That's the least he deserved from this game. Got an assist as well, which was unbelievable. I counted it. He's got seven Norwich players around him. He's just that difficult to stop. And he still managed to thread the ball through to Dan Neal. Unbelievable. He dribbled past eight players in this game, created five chances. Just a remarkable player who's getting better and better. And just when you think that's it, he can't keep playing any better than this. He does, without a doubt. One of the main contenders for player of the season so far. Of course, still very early days, but I mean, if he's getting better and better, then my God, it could be like Messi come the end of the season. <laughs> uh, Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> have finally won a game. My Lords. They beat Rotherham 2 0 in the South Yorkshire Derby. It's the first time they've won a game in 90 minutes since the League One playoff semi final against Peterborough <laughs> in May. My I... God. <laughs> That's a long time to that's wait, isn't it? know <laughs> uh, yeah, what we, we laugh, but that's bad. Yeah, that's yeah harsh. Yeah, more than five months ago. <laughs> Jesus Christ! And they actually ended up winning this quite comfortably too. And I suppose the question is now, Justin, could this be start of Wednesday getting on a rule? Oh, Ryan, I'm not going to stop. You can you can squint as much as you want, Justin. I'm going to keep up with these rule puns.
0: I if to you don't like it, you've got to roll
1: with it. <laughs> For fuck's sake. I really wanted to praise Wednesday. And I'd apologise to Wednesday fans
0: here because they don't deserve that. Uh, they deserve to roll in this win. Yes, <laughs> he's on board. <laughs> oh, we've ruined this, haven't we? Um, uh, I don't know where to go from here. Wednesday fans, they were really good. They were really good. I mean, I expected Rotherham to, again, be a difficult side to beat, but they, they just had nothing to offer, which is quite staggering, really, because Sheffield Wednesday haven't. Up until this game, I hadn't scored in ten hours of football, um, and obviously hadn't won a game in ninety minutes since May, which is a long time. Um, and Rotherham looked the worst team in the division against them, uh, and again that's saying something because Wednesday have been the worst team in the division so far this season. Um, can it be the start of a run of form? I hope so because, it's, it's, you know, Wednesday fans have had it rough over the last uh, last few weeks. Um, but you know, all we've got to all we've got to go by is that. Danny Roy has tapped into some of the quality in the squad and he's, the. I mean, I know they lost 3-0 three, three, in midweek, but it was better and there have been there has been an improvement in this game and Masaba was good, Michael Smith took his chances and um, the bar has been low, so it's really hard to assess where
1: Wednesday are going to go, but this is a huge, huge start. Huge, huge start. I'm just looking at it now. This is the most shots they've had in a league game this season. So hopefully this can get them some momentum and, you know, Full credit to Danny Rule as well, because game Munoz had plenty of games and didn't have anything that looked anything like this performance, did he? So I think he deserves a lot of credit. And I'm starting to believe a bit in uh, Danny Rule. Sex, drugs and Danny Rule. Um, get it <laughs> yeah good um, Is worth saying uh, Sheffield Wednesday have been put under a registration embargo by the EFL because of money owed to HMRC it means Wednesday cannot register any players without prior written consent it comes after Chancery, the owner said he would stop funding the club after being treated unfairly um, I did see this and it isn't really a surprise to me Justin because if they're not if they've if are own money and the owner's not putting money into the club anymore then it's not surprised that something like this has happened is it no and that's uh, i think that's the worst
0: worst part about it is the fact that you're not surprised that the owner's deciding to put uh stop putting money in because he's spat his dummy out a bit pretty much well i mean i said it a few weeks didn't i the, how i described him i called him a tosser and this is uh, a depiction of that uh of that statement. Um, you just don't do that to a football club and I know you are getting stick but you are getting stick because you've not made the right decisions and you've made the club a laughing stock you've just almost dragged the reputation of the football club through the mud uh, this season um, because of some really poor decision making and you know bad relationships you've, you've harnessed um, and he's now pulled this move out
1: <sighs> yeah
0: I, I don't know what else to say that isn't going to be bleeped out considerably because it has really angered me this, this move
1: yeah well on Rotherham, um, obviously a terrible result for them. They have signed Daniel Ayala this week, though. It's good signing. Didn't realise he was still playing, to be honest. Uh, let's <laughs> move back, on to probably <laughs> the shot result of the weekend Middlesbrough nil Stoke 2. Middlesbrough had won six in a row prior to this, but came unstuck here. Three-word review from Every Step Along the Way podcast. Stoke are back. Stokey Tom says it's coming together. And Liam says, surprised and impressed. And I think I definitely agree with Liam on this one. If you told me during the international break that Stoke would win nine points from Sunderland, Leeds and Middlesbrough, I would have laughed in your face. But that is exactly what's happened. And I'm just not really sure where this form has suddenly come from, Justin. Yeah, it's a bit of
0: a surprise because I would, if I was Alex Neil, I would have been very fearful of losing my job going into that, uh, last international break because form and performances were terrible, game plans weren't existing, uh, game management wasn't there, and uh, yeah, it was it was bad, it was really bad. But they've beaten three really strong teams, three teams who will be looking uh, at trying to get promotion this season. Uh, three teams over this Sunday actually were, were Leeds and, and Borough in a decent decent vein of form. So yeah, it's it's, it's massive, but I think. What you've got to consider over the last three games, the repeat factor that has really helped them get over the line is the fact that they defended their box really, really well, which they haven't really done all season. It's not helped that they've not really had personnel available. But Luke, Luke Minnelli has been a rock in those three games. Michael Rose was brilliant in this game against Middlesbrough, and that's been the key—the key deciding factor for me—that they've they've built on a solid foundation, and hopefully that's the start of form. But it'd be very stoked for them now to lose the next three games. So
1: it it's would hard be hard to get carried away. Yeah, it would be very stoked, wouldn't it? <laughs> We've uh, kind of got used to that over the years, so it would not be a surprise to see that happen. But I think the person who deserves a lot of credit here is Alex Neal, after the amount of stick he got before the international break and with the calls for him to go. He's massively turned it around in such a short period of time. And he's made some big calls as well, bringing Dwight Gale back into the fold has yeah. been a surprise. It was like Lord Lucan knocking on your door and asking for a fiver because I just kind of forgot he existed. But Did you see Josh Lawrence tweet to Dwight Gale? Yeah, he, he hit him with <laughs> the older uh, Ian Wright. Um, I thought you was dead. <laughs> Wish to go, <laughs> I thought you were dead. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so, you, you know... Go back to Stoke. They they have got a good side. Luke McNally, we've mentioned recently is a brilliant centre half. Medi Leris on the wing is someone I've been impressed by since he's come in. Keanu Hoiv is an excellent fullback. It's a blow losing Mark Travers in goal. He's been recalled by yeah. Bournemouth. So we'll see how we how they cope with that. But it has been an amazing week for Stoke. I'm not sure how long this good form will continue, but it certainly changed the atmosphere because it was a bit sour prior to the last international break. Ipswich's ridiculous start to the season continued. They beat Plymouth 3-2. They continue to have had the best start in Championship history behind only Leicester. Gary's three-word review for Ipswich. McKenna is magic. Ipswich not at the best here, but still getting the result, which I suppose is a sign of a good side and that they are the real deal. Why are you putting that face? A little bit of luck on their side in this game, let's be honest. Come on. That's what I'm saying They're not at the best.
0: Yeah, yeah, but this is what I mean. I mean, good teams get that rub of the green. I don't know how I win football, but it just happens, doesn't it? Because they're lucky that George Edmondson wasn't sent off
1: and well, the goal. Well, 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 Justin. <laughs> I have seen that a few times and <laughs> I, controversially, I think of Edmondson course. might have got the ball. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one yeah, replay where it's just... Ooh, sideways on kind of and you see Edmondson's got the ball and I don't think there's much contact with Bundu either maybe yeah uh, that's just what I saw anyway of
0: course yeah yeah because you've got your Ipswich tinted glasses on
1: plus that's I thought what it was it. the box as well
0: yeah it doesn't matter I just think it was a red card I think it was a
1: red card and a, and a free kick but I've I seen a picture where the well, contact is inside the box that as well <laughs> I think Ipswich fans <laughs> would also point out they've got two defenders who were signed on from Edmondson. So, uh,
0: yeah. Well, I, I, um, I, I, the evidence is stacked against you,
1: but it's clear that these these passes. Well, you...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just what think
1: I just think when I saw it first time, um, and it was from the normal TV angle, I thought, oh god, how has he not been sent off there? Replays. I can see why the linesman, who I'm guessing has made that decision, has said, "I think Edmondson's got the ball there." That's all I'm going to yeah. say because it looks like a bit more paces gathered on the ball after he's made that tackle. But yeah. we'll leave that one there because I'm sure that's not <laughs> going to go down well with Plymouth fans. Uh, George Hurst was amongst the goal. He's now got uh, amongst the goals. He's now got a goal and three assists in his last four games. And I remember at the start of the season we were saying that up front is the one position Ipswich really needs to strengthen. But he's been great so far, and the results have shown that, haven't they?
0: Yeah, he's a handful. I think that's the key thing with him. He's, he's, he's been a handful and Josh Coburn's been the same. I'm looking at sort of gangly forwards who are quite difficult to defend against, aren't exactly clinical, um, because neither are. Uh, Josh Coburn's not been clinical for Borough and Josh Hurst hasn't been clinical for Ipswich. but the difference is, Josh Hurst has been scoring some some decent goals and what he does with the teammates that he's got around him, Conor Chaplin, um, Hutchinson as well. They, their players that are going to stick around him. They're going, he's going to be able to get the ball to him, um, and that's really probably what he's there for. A bit of a, a but not a false nine, but a um, a false forward who, who allows others to thrive around him. He's that type of forward, and he has done, and he's and he's chipped in, which is important.
1: Yeah, he's an extra excellent foil for those attacking players, isn't yeah. he the likes of Chaplin, Broadhead, Hutchinson. He's brilliant for playing one-twos, making space for those other attackers. But he also showed against Plymouth that he can score as well with a brilliantly taken goal. I think Ipswich would still like to strengthen up front in January. Cause Hurst, I'm not sure he's the best option, but he's shown that he's more than capable of being that guy. I mean, they have scored the joint most goals in the league, so it's clearly not a big problem for them, is it? So... um <laughs> Three-word review for Plymouth from Ryan, who said we deserved more. Brilliant goal for Morgan Whittaker, by the way. He has been on fire for Plymouth. Speaking of wonderful goals, a wonder goal from Jadon Filagene. Saw Hull beat Preston 1-0. That goal, Justin. My Lord, dribbling from his own half, going past three players before a brilliant finish. Goal of the weekend, without a doubt. Would you go as far to say goal of the season so far? I do like individual efforts. And
0: uh, this this is definitely it enters a conversation uh, as long as it doesn't get topped between now and the end of the season it enters the conversation. He nearly did it uh, before I don't know what time what time in the game it was, but he he almost did it before he actually scored as well. So he could have had two individual efforts uh, in the bag against uh, against Preston. But he's that quality. He's, he's got he's got that sort of quality. And we were, we were sort of humming and aching about that that fee that Hull paid. And I think
1: uh, I think they've had Villa's pants down. Incredible. Now, now you're looking at it. You're looking at yeah. it thinking that as well, aren't you? I mean, he has been sensational for Hull so far. If yeah. you look at his underlying data, he has been flying in a Hull City shirt. And yeah, they did pay a fair bit of money from him. So you'd expect that. But based off what we've seen of him previously at this level, Justin, he's come on leaps and bounds compared yes. to the player that we saw in previous seasons, hasn't he? Well, we've,
0: we've com- not complained, but we've been concerned about the amount of games that Liam Rossini's teams draw Jaden Filigey is the difference between drawing games and winning games. I mean, he scored the winner in this one, but he's 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 going to be the main difference, and to carry that sort of weight on your shoulders is 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 quite um, quite a big thing. And again, I've said it in, uh, almost every season that players like Jaden Filigey need a bit of arrogance about you, um, and that arrogance comes from just wanting to get the ball and run at players and then score. And you it takes an arrogant kind of player to. Um, in a good way, by the way, take an arrogant player to take the ball in their own half, dribble past half a team and then, and, and then score. And that's what you need. And I think that's what you need when you need to turn those draws into wins. And as I say, did it in this game and I, he's going to do it time and time again this season.
1: He's got to have a bit of arrogance, hasn't he? When you're dribbling past as many players as he is on a regular basis, you've got to have a bit of cockiness about you. I mean, he's yeah. just 21 years old as well. So the amount of talent that he has got for someone so young feels like he's Older than that, because he's been around in the Championship for quite a while. But he has got talent in abundance. Shoots a lot, so you can tell he has got a bit of a confidence in him. But, you know, keep shooting, lad, because clearly causing loads of problems for opposition teams. A brilliantly taken goal by Liam Cullen. Saw Swansea win 1-0 away at Blackburn. I quite like what's going on at Swansea. Results have been a bit up and down so far. But a look at the squad. Loads of young talent there. Michael Duff's a great manager. I think they could be one to watch. So a good result for them. A 91st minute equaliser from Melissa Rijevic. Saw so Watford draw 2-2 with Millwall. This game is quite chaotic. Adam Barrett still looking for his first win as Millwall caretaker boss. Stuart's three-word review for Watford. Can't defend crosses. And then the final game of the weekend is a West Midlands derby between Coventry and West Brom on Monday night. We'll discuss that game in the Thursday's episode. Let's do the polls. This is the part of the show where we give the listeners three questions on Twitter. Just want to get their thoughts on everything to do with the championship. So the first question we asked was this. Mitch manager is doing a better job this season. Enzo Moresca or Kieran McKenna? Yeah, Kieran McKenna. I think when you look at resources,
0: we had this conversation and resources dictate the outcome of that answer. So Kieran McKenna, but the
1: you know Leicester are just brilliant They're just brilliant. They're just both brilliant, aren't they? Let's be honest. I'm enjoying both. It's the Rio Ferdinand meme, isn't it? Can't we just enjoy them both, man? (laughs) Unbelievable. 76% of people said Kieran McKenna, 24% said Mareska. If your current manager got sacked, would you take Nigel Pearson at your club, yes or no? Depends where I am in the league and what the circumstances are. Derby County and Paul Warren. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'll take anybody. I'll take anybody. Billy Davis, come back, please. <laughs> I would love it if Billy Davis went back to Darby. Seventy seven percent of people said no, twenty three percent said yes. And finally, do you enjoy Halloween? Yes, no, or indifferent? I mean yes, i love I love a bit of Halloween. It's
0: the it's the uh it's the descent into Christmas. I don't really like Christmas, I prefer Halloween to be actually. Well
1: oh, that's yeah. a very strange point of view, but fair enough. Yeah. Um Forty-eight percent said no, thirty-two percent said indifferent, twenty percent said yes. So there you go. Yeah. Now it's time for this. Hi, Simon Grayson Edge. Yes, it's time for Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. So I'm going to ask Justin to name eight of a certain subject. All he's got to do is name all eight. So, for example, if I would say, name Steve Bruce's last eight clubs, he would say Villa, that's one down. Newcastle, that's another down. But if Justin would say Weymouth, he would lose a life. So all he needs to do is give me all eight answers. Justin, you've got two lives on this mm. one which I think is fair with this question of course Gareth Ainsworth is no longer the manager at QPR so let's have a look back at the Rangers managers of the past can you name for me the last eight <laughs> QPR managers prior to Gareth Ainsworth Justin has got a massive grin on his face why is that
0: because I mentioned them all at the start of
1: the episode you did mention a few <laughs> now it would be really embarrassing if you didn't get them all wouldn't it after that
0: can I sc- do you want my hands in view so I don't scroll up on my notes? Yes. I am oh, gonna get pins and needles, but okay, why not? Um Shit. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Gareth Ainsworth. No, prior to Gareth Ainsworth. Yeah, yeah but I know I'm just trying to okay. my own, my own Your brain, brain out ticking that. over. Okay. Gareth Ainsworth, Mick Beale, Neil Critchley.
1: Well out our time, please. Jesus. I'm Christ. sorry. Which one are you saying? Neil, fucking Neil Critchley. Neil Critchley, yes, he was there for just three months before Gareth Ainsworth, winning just one game and has got the lowest win percentage of any QPR manager ever. Justin, can I have your second guess, please? Mick Beale. Mick Beale is correct. You didn't have to go that close into the microphone for that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, yes, Mick Beale is correct. Justin is hissing in the background. Uh, but yeah, he had QPR top of the league before sneaking out the door to go to the other Rangers in Scotland. That's two down, six to go. Is this enough of the life stories of each candidate that I'm going through? Can we just next one? Mark Warburton's next one. I don't like your attitude today. I don't like your management of this Simon Grayson. Mark Warburton is correct. He was there for three years. Did a very good job. Is that right? (laughs) That's better. Yeah, there we go. Three down, five to go. Steve McLaren. Steve McLaren is correct. Him and Casper the Snake were there for one season. So you're halfway there uh you see mclaren he took over in holloway he did one and a half years at loftus road for ollie that's five down three to go justin
0: who could forget jimmy floyd hasselbank's
1: tenure of course just under a year there for jfh that is correct six down two to go two lives remaining surely he's got it from here So this is where my notes stopped. Uh, Chris Ramsey
0: was in charge, but I don't know if that was a caretaker or interim spell, but I'm going to throw him in there anyway.
1: Chris Ramsey was correct. He was there on a full-time basis. He saw QPR get relegated from the Premier League in 2015 and got sacked in the season after, after not very long.
0: Uh, Of course, it's now everybody's favourite manager who's not a manager. It's Harry Red now.
1: Is he everyone's favourite?
0: Well, he's just like the, not the common people. The non-football fan favourite, I should say.
1: Because he was on Alma celebrity. Is that what he yeah. is on? Okay. What about Dennis yeah. Wise? <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Wise, everybody. <laughs> it's him or yeah. Dennis Wise. Harry Redknapp is correct. He was there for two years and got them promoted from the championship in the 2014 playoff final. So you are correct. Well done, Justin Peach. Did you have a look at Wikipedia before we started recording? Is that what happened?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, because um, I, I put them in my notes because I made a really
1: good point at the start of this episode. Great. Well, that's completely ruined. That hate 8 late, doesn't it? But I'm glad you had a nice time. <laughs> there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That's been Simon Grayson's for Eight. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday for a preview episode of all the games coming up in the Championship next weekend. Might have some managerial news on that front as well, particularly at QPR. is old Neil making his return well we'll have a chat about that on Thursday so we look forward to seeing you then as always if you won't mind spending a few seconds of your time giving us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to us on it helps us go a long way so we would greatly appreciate it if you do that in other news we'll see you again on Thursday this has been the second tier podcast I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Beach and a big thank you for listening Second tier is a stack production and part of the ACAST creator network. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be.